This is On Location. I'm Tim Leitner. Today's episode comes to you from Massachusetts, Ohio, and Illinois. But first, On Location is produced by the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Mamlin and me. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Breaker, iHeartRadio, and Radio Public, among others. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast service and tell all your friends. On today's program, On Location is pleased to bring you the final Spotlight Podcast 2022. In this podcast, Pat O'Donnell of Young Williams and Brandy Gayabo of Franklin County, Ohio, Child Support Enforcement Agency, co-host a conversation spotlighting the Commonwealth of Massachusetts Department of Revenue's Child Support Team, the NCA 2022 Program Awareness Awardee. Michelle Cristello, Deputy Commissioner and 40 Director, along with Chris Breen, Business Operations Manager, are today's guests. Michelle and Chris discuss the Virtual Customer Service Counter Project and its positive impact for program participants, Massachusetts Child Support Team members, and other partner organizations. Seamlessly delivering virtual child support services is the new normal for the Massachusetts Child Support Team. Listen to learn more. It's going to be a great show, so stick around, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Pat O'Donnell of Young Williams, and I'm joined by my co-host for today's conversation, Randy Gallebo of Franklin County Child Support Enforcement Agency. We're so pleased today to be joined by the Massachusetts Department of Revenue Child Support Program Team. Joining us are Michelle Cristello, the Deputy Commissioner and 4D Director, and Chris Breen, who's the Business Operations Manager. Welcome, and congratulations on being recognized as the NCEA 2022 Program Awareness Awardee. It's so well-deserved and a wonderful recognition for your accomplishments and all of the achievements within your team. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Michelle, would you share a bit about your career journey and something fun that no one knows about you? Sure. Um, Well, thank you again for having us on this podcast. And thank you so much to NCF for this award. Um, It really is humbling um, and we appreciate it so much. Um, But as Pat said, I am the deputy commissioner and 4D director for the state of Massachusetts child support program. I have been the 4D director in Massachusetts for a little bit over seven years now. Um, And I've been with the child support program in Massachusetts for almost 30 years. I spent most of my career um, in reporting and analysis um, and child support systems before I became 4D director in 2015. Um, Something fun about me or interesting, I don't know how fun it is, but I have uh, two boys. Um, One is 23 and one is eight. So I have um, sometimes feel like I'm leading a double life, but um, 
they are both wonderful, but just both at two different phases right now. So it makes it challenging. Yeah, that definitely does sound like a challenging one, but I guess all, all children, no matter where, what age, they're always a joy. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yes. <laughs> and Chris, how has your career evolved and what has been your biggest surprise of you as you work to be the best you can be? Uh, thanks, Brandy, and thank you, Pat. Uh, thank you so much for this tremendous acknowledgement for our program and um, and the opportunity today to to talk about the virtual counter uh, implementation and program. Uh, in terms of my career evolution, I began my career uh, with the state uh, twenty years. I, I did twenty years in our customer service bureau, um, working in a variety of capacities before transitioning into a project management role and ultimately my current position. Uh, so I'm now in my 30th year with the with the department, uh, serving as a deputy director in our northern region, while balancing uh, project management responsibilities for the virtual counter. Uh, my biggest career surprise, I would say, is actually that um, my career has uh, been with child support enforcement. When I graduated college, I intended to be an English teacher, um, but um, dipped my toe in the water in child support enforcement, found it to be very rewarding work, and I never left. Uh, so here I am and continue to feel that way. So uh, have no plans to go anywhere else. It's so funny, isn't it? How sometimes we have it all planned out and we go in a completely different direction and love it that much more. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Michelle, can you provide an overview of the virtual customer service solution? Sure. Um, so our virtual counter is part of our overall customer service solution in our post-COVID more remote world. Um, the virtual counter is basically a, um, a vehicle for a face-to-face -face meeting with a child support caseworker. Um, when we originally thought about it and implemented it, we were certainly coming from the perspective of being in the middle of a, a lot of shutdowns from COVID, right? So this was in late 2020 and early 2021 when we started to think about this. Um, and we were faced with some significant limitations to our in-person customer service, um, where we did a fair amount of meetings with uh, our customers face-to-face, -face, physically, in, in person. Um, that face-to-face -face is now over Zoom. Um, when we uh, originally thought about the virtual counter, it was, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Our customers need our help. Um, we're not opening our doors, uh, at least in the foreseeable future. Uh, but we know our customers have some significant issues that can't be resolved through going to our website or self-serving or even calling our, our call center. Um, we knew that we needed to provide an opportunity for our customers to really have that one-on-one -on -one in-depth time to talk about their case and their issues. Um, so our virtual counter is open every day. Um, we staff it with experienced caseworkers and supervisors. Our customers basically log on. They can do it through a link or QR code um, and they enter our virtual waiting room. They're greeted by our staff um, they provide a little bit of information and then we move them to a breakout room where they meet one-on-one -on -one with a caseworker. Um, 
Our goal is to provide that one-on-one -on -one discussion, the, the time it takes for that, um, while at the same time trying to resolve all the customers' issues at that time. Um, you know, our customers are primarily coming to the virtual counter because they uh, have to talk about something, whether it's an enforcement measure or a need for a modification or something more in-depth than um, what they get from, you know, I need to pay history or something like that. These are more in-depth conversations. A lot of those conversations are around license suspension, payment agreements, how do I get my license back, things like that. Uh, since we opened the virtual counter, we've served uh, almost 20,000 customers. Uh, we have about a 77% resolution rate, um, which we feel is, is pretty strong. Um, and we have collected almost $3 million. Um, we have also implemented, you know, okay, credit card payments right here and over the, over the um, you know, talking to me over Zoom and, and able to get um, customers to resolve their license, for example, through an immediate payment. Um, so, you know, Chris really led this team. Um, you know, I can sit here and talk about it, but really Chris is the one who uh, led the team and did such a fantastic job. Um, and the whole team really did a fantastic job. Um, and I couldn't be more proud of the work that we've done to establish this virtual counter, which is now part of our life and going to be. That sounds awesome from a child support agency where we've done a lot of things virtually thanks to the pandemic as well. We're starting to open up our doors, but um, slowly but surely. So those virtual options, I'd love to hear more about those. And speaking of that, Chris, the virtual customer service counter required rethinking many, if not all, of the legacy business processes. How did your planning evolve, allowing you to implement the solution you have in place today? Sure, Brendy. Uh, well, during our project planning, I reviewed our intake procedures in our regional offices to determine how customers were assisted on site with their concerns uh, pre-COVID. Uh, given the onset of COVID, our offices, uh, like many other agencies, had closed to the public. And as Michelle referenced, it was important to maintain practices that worked pre-COVID, um, but also to abandon principles that didn't work or wouldn't work virtually. Um, part of this whole process, uh, we completed a best practice review with our probate court system, uh, which had started to use Zoom in a different way to meet their own business needs. Ultimately, as you know, any successful project implementation comes down to the project planning and the level of detail in that planning. And that was particularly critical in this situation. Equally important, uh, we developed a tiered training plan, uh, which we found to be critical to our implementation. And that consisted of a LinkedIn learning module on Zoom navigation large group and small group training, and then later individualized training in certain specific instances. And in addition to uh, the training on Zoom and other technical uh, resources, we also undertook a series of operational trainings, most of which were tied into our enforcement policies and procedures. And that training was provided constantly over a period of several months by 
several of my colleagues, several managers, as we continue to uh, transition additional staff to the virtual counter. So it was quite a complex endeavor and required a lot of pieces and parts to move all at the same time as all complex projects do. Yes, absolutely, Pam. Yeah. So Michelle, how did you achieve staff buy-in for the changes? So, you know, to be honest with you, it really was not all that hard to get buy-in. I think circumstances certainly helped us, right? We were not in a usual time. Um, we were in a time where we were all trying to figure out new things. Um, and, you know, our staff really did see that our customers needed our assistance and we needed to figure out a way to do that. Um, you know, we were also remote and our staff at that time, you know, late 2020, 2021, we all wanted to remain remote, right? We were still in that um, period where it was still a little scary. Um, and so uh, I think staff also said, okay, we got to make this remote stuff work because it's going to be better for everybody and um, including our customers, which, which they recognized as well that our customers weren't getting served the way they used to be. We needed to do something. And also our customers weren't going to be all that thrilled about having to walk into a uh, an office or a government building. They wanted to be at home. This was something that kind of, you know, hit on all those notes. And so we really didn't have a, a hard time getting buy-in from staff. Um, again, lots of things were changing around us. So it wasn't like we were forcing a change and everybody loved how things were going before, you know, it was unique that way. And, 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 you know, I think we were able to take advantage of that and, and leverage that. Um, you know, we really didn't need to get them to buy in as much as to give them the tools that they needed, train them how to use them, things like that. Um, you know, I Chris did a wonderful job getting volunteers to start. Um, you know, when we when we started this, it was who who wants to volunteer to do this? We got a ton of volunteers, more so than we thought we would, um, and and then it just went from there. And Chris, I don't know if you want to sort of add to that because I think what you witnessed firsthand with the staff was was something that makes made this project you know really great for us. Absolutely, Michelle. Absolutely, and you know I really feel like. Um, so we had over 30 volunteers um, just from the initial, from a single email, just um, asking for some assistance. And, and that consisted of a few managers, uh, supervisors, and also um, colleagues who operate in uh, using a term that we call duty work um, in providing direct assistance to our customers. And, you know, that group was really invested from the very beginning. Um, and they felt like they were part of something and they really helped to see it through. And um, part, of, part of that was their energy and positivity. Uh, as you can imagine, you know, we face certain obstacles, we face numerous obstacles in trying to, to get a program of this magnitude off the ground. And, um, you know, no one looked at, a, at an obstacle as a problem. Everybody was, was willing to kind of um, work hand in hand to, to uh, go beyond those obstacles. 
Um, and I think that that initial uh, group of volunteers played an important role in encouraging other colleagues to come on board as volunteers in our second class. And then we just continued to build upon that momentum uh, with subsequent training classes. Uh, Michelle touched upon our commitment and, and I would have to agree, we were committed then and we remain committed um, to providing staff with every resource that they need to do their jobs effectively on here. So we've uh, provided additional monitors, headsets, um, we've provided uh, Adobe Sign software and training as well as uh, credit card software and training so that payments can be made at the point of contact on the virtual counter. Uh, really all the necessary training and resources that folks need, we have, we've stepped up to the challenge on that. Um, yeah, and we continue to acknowledge the efforts of our team leaders and our staff who are really making this work on a daily basis. Um, and we really listen to their feedback. You know, we ask for their feedback. They provide us with some creative solutions, sometimes some very straightforward practical solutions. Um, you know, I think all of that kind of comes together and helps us to, to both execute um, good work on the virtual counter and promote it as well. So building on that, Chris, have you noticed any, <clears throat> excuse me, changes in your agency's culture as a result of implementing the virtual counter? Um, Pat, I would say first and foremost, I think our agency now understands how critical virtual work can be. The virtual counter, um, one of the things that I really love about it, it's allowed colleagues, including myself, to put faces with names, um, to get to know colleagues, to de develop a comfort level with one another. Um, and because of that, it fosters teamwork between colleagues who are on the virtual counter on any specific day. It's also interesting and commendable that some colleagues who are not scheduled um, for the virtual counter on a specific day will monitor our um, statewide Teams chat and will jump in to provide assistance to their colleagues with answers to questions or offer assistance in other ways on days that they're not even scheduled. Um, I think that really speaks to the, to the level of teamwork um, that they brought to the table. And I think it's also helped uh, the virtual counter to really give our folks a sense of pride um, in, in creating something and, and continue to be a, continuing to be a part of something um, important for the department. Can I just add something to that too? I, I think, you know, what Chris mentioned is, is really one of the things that really is a source of pride for us about how our staff really uh, jumped in to start this up, but, but then have become such a part of it. And it has really become such a key part, as I said at the beginning of our new world. We are a very heavily weighted toward remote work now, which is something it's, I just could never have imagined three years ago us being. Um, and this is just part of it. And so talk about cultural shift entirely, we have figured out ways, you know, and the virtual counter was a really big part of this about how to do things differently, how to do things more customer centric um, and focused on their experience as well. Um, and I think it's it's been it's been truly wonderful in a in a very difficult time to see, you know, these things come out of it. And you know, 
the fact that it's our normal course of business and, you know, we don't really have to talk too much about it. We just do it is something that is really amazing to me um, in such a short time. So I just wanted to add that. I'm just curious, how many staff members do you have? Since you said you rotate in, I'm just curious, like how many are not on the virtual counter? How many are, and what's like your total staff look like? Chris, I'm gonna have you answer that one. Sure, well, we have a group of 120 plus um, staff who are involved in the virtual counter in some way, shape or form. On any particular day, um, our, our staffing levels are usually, we'll have 17 colleagues who provide um, direct assistance to customers. We have uh, four supervisors um, who provide assistance in terms of um, escalations, questions that may, um, you know, be outside of the scope of policy, things like that. And then we have a manager who's assigned um, to the virtual counter on a specific day as well. So on a daily basis, we have um, 22 total uh, staff assigned to uh, make this run. Awesome, thank you so much for, I was just curious when I was listening to you. Um, sure. How has the virtual customer service solution improved service delivery for child support program participants? Uh, well, I think, Brandy, it's improved service delivery in several different ways. I would say first, the virtual nature of our customer service transactions provides convenience and offers an immediate resolution to customers' concerns in, a, in a, you know, many scenarios. It allows customers to log on to Zoom and receive assistance from home, uh, from work, really from any destination. And customers no longer incur the cost of travel, say, to directly to our regional offices, uh, particularly important in recent times, um, given COVID, inflation, the nationwide increase in gas prices. Um, we're obviously transitioning into fall, winter's right around the corner. So I think um, service delivery for our participants has been impacted in, in a positive way in many different ways. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree. Thank you. And what impact, if any, has the implementation of this program had on your relationships with partner agencies, Michelle? So I think this is another benefit that we've seen, um, that we have been able to use the virtual counter with um, some of our counterparts in other states for some interstate cases that we have in common. Um, we have used the virtual counter um, to meet with social social workers from agencies um, who have some of our participants, you know, where they've, where, you know, we've met, done some outreach and, and you know, to various organizations and they say, I have 10 clients that, I, that need help. And we say, how about you join us at 10 o'clock on our virtual counter? And we, you know, assign a caseworker to to address those and work with those folks. So it's a it's a vehicle for us to um, to use in a in a bunch of different situations. Um, we have worked with a number of our sister agencies from our our region locally, so New Hampshire and and uh, Rhode Island and Connecticut, um, where you know two interstate caseworkers who have probably just seen each other's names on transmittal ones or transmittal twos over the years um, gets to sit face to face and chat. Um, we find that 
you can resolve cases a lot easier that way. Um, and it's a great opportunity to meet colleagues from other states and, and, and build those relationships. So um, I think it's a great way to connect um, with all kinds of organizations and, and to continue to provide specific assistance uh, for situations where individual case specific assistance is needed. Um, and oftentimes doing that face-to-face -face is just really the best answer here. And so I think we certainly want to do that more. We certainly want to, you know, have more conversations with, with other agencies, state agencies, child support agencies, or otherwise. I know I've talked a lot about this with my colleagues across the country. Um, and so I, I think it's just a great vehicle for a lot of other things in the future. It sounds, it really sounds like it's had such an impact across not only your external stakeholders, but also your internal stakeholders, which you always wanna strive for and sometimes don't achieve the levels that you wish to do. And you obviously have in this case. Um, I would like to thank you, Michelle and Chris, for joining us today. This has been such a great conversation. The virtual customer service counter obviously has had a really positive impact on your program and also serves as a model for other agencies who may want to increase virtual services in their programs and for their participants. So in closing, on behalf of NCIA on location, I'm Pat O'Donnell of Young Williams. And I'm Brandi Gallievo of Franklin County Child Support Enforcement Agency. Thank you to our listeners for spending time with us. Michelle and Chris, we offer our best wishes for your continued success as well as that of your program. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. On Location is available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We have a lot of great episodes on the way, so be sure to subscribe and listen to all of our previous episodes as well. We also appreciate your readings, your feedback, your comments, and your suggestions. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. On Location is a production of the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Manlin and me. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Tim Leitner, and this has been On Location. <laughs>